Arguably the biggest global spectacle is upon us in just about seven days time at the time of this recording. The general vibe of mind-blowing excitement and seeing the greatest footballing superstars on the planet all in one place has invariably been tempered down by the weight of political and humanitarian controversies surrounding Qatar. And also because, do those stars even have a chance of landing in Doha, considering the ever-growing list of injuries? Today, we unwrap an exclusive Pitch Life podcast prelude to the World Cup 2022. And some of the talking points that are sending fans into anger, rage, delusion, debate, anything but pure joy, even before a ball's been kicked. Now, this is a very controversial topic, right? I mean, there are so many facets to the World Cup that raise eyebrows, but the two main issues that come to my mind, at least, number one, are, and this is something the morons at FIFA should have really considered right at the start, should the World Cup actually be happening in Qatar to begin with? And number two, the human rights record that has tarnished the country's image. And, you know, not to mention the timing of all of this. I mean, a World Cup in November and December is an absolutely insane decision. I I mean, I see how we ended up here, given, you know, the temperatures in June, July in Qatar. But, you know, before we start this episode, there is one thing that I do want to point out. So over here on Netflix in the American catalog, they've got this fantastic mini series on FIFA that's currently trending. FIFA and Uncovered, I don't know right? if it's a FIFA Uncovered. Yeah. So, so you are aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't watched it yet, but it you people should. say it's amazing. You should. It's 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 four episodes. Each episode is an hour long. And it's it's not, you know, focused on the World Cup in Qatar, you know, necessarily. It, it goes into FIFA as a whole. It talks about how FIFA began, at what point the corruption started to seep in, uh, you know, the scandal after scandal that have happened. There's an episode dedicated to Sepp Blatter, who everyone knows. I binge-watched that series, and I would highly recommend it. If you haven't already seen it, you should, because honestly, uh, it's going to make things far more clear to you than we can. Well, that's a, that's a really useful plug for Netflix right there. But I guess back to the general question, right? Is Qatar, as a footballing nation, big enough to host the World Cup? Or is this just a result of what you just mentioned, right? Corruption, sports washing that goes on in this beautiful sport. I mean, even the timing of the World Cup, you, you just mentioned, what, November, December. They've, and, they've, and they've moved that, which is absolutely insane for such a massive tournament in the middle of the European calendar, probably even the South American calendar, right? And then the human rights record, which, which obviously we'll, we'll get into in just a bit. Now, you mentioned corruption. I think we'll need to be pretty brief on this point because there's just so much to talk about. It is absolutely crazy. And honestly, if we had to dig into every single thing that happened, we'll be here recording for days. We'll never finish this episode. Editing will never take place and we'll never get it out on time, which let's face it, we have a problem with as it is. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. I think less time spent, the better. And I think we want to focus on the football here. But, you know, let's start with the corruption. I remember this was a major theme throughout the whole World Cup saga when Qatar was actually, uh, you know, Qatar won the bid and they were announced as the 2022 host. Now, I know I, I know you've been looking into this a little bit. So what do you want to share? What have you found? So, so to look at how we ended up here, we'd have to start way back, way, way back in 2009. I love, I, now, I love how these stories start so back, but, they, but they're just full of shit all the way to the end. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the way the whole uh, bidding process works is there's this group of 24 people called the FIFA Executive Committee who all vote for or against a particular country's bid to host the World Cup, right? Uh, They have multiple bidding rounds. With each round, the country that receives the lowest number of bids is eliminated from contention. So this goes on and on until there's only one country left standing. Now, for 2018, it was Russia. And for 2022, it was Qatar. And all of this took place in 2010. So a year or so after the whole bidding period started. Yeah, so basically how they've always operated, right? And 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 the fact that they call themselves a not-for-profit with a billion dollars in the bank is just shady enough for me. I don't even want to know what kind of other shit goes on in these bidding rounds. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, after a point, they stop calling themselves a non-profit organization and it's referred to more as a bank anyway. So for them, this is just, you know, business as normal. Now, the key difference here is that there were widespread rumors and accusations of executive committee members selling votes in favor of particular countries. I'm not going to discuss Russia too much because that was already four years ago. But looking at the current World Cup, uh, Qatari officials faced a lot of criticism about trading votes for favors. Now, uh, there were investigations at different levels and by different law enforcement agencies. The FBI got involved. The British and Swiss authorities were involved. And it became this massive thing, you know. There even was this independent prosecutor who was brought in to inspect the evidence. And, well, this guy went on to lead the investigation and publish the report. But here's the kicker. Do you, do you want to know the kicker? Tell me. Qatar was cleared of any wrongdoing. Now, here's the thing. I couldn't believe it either. But I would like to point out that this comes with a huge, huge, massive as fuck asterisk, all right? I mean, as, as Lead, things do with FIFA, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's, 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 you know, the FIFA way. Now, the lead investigator did say that the way FIFA came to a conclusion on his report was incomplete and misrepresented, which means that while it might have cleared Qatar of buying bids, it didn't completely acquit them they were involved somehow and that's that's Typical. that's been hidden from the general public because of how fifa handled the report and buried it i know i know i've heard this before in many ways shape and forms but it's it's just incredible every time i hear it it just seems more shocking than the last time i did now there's more to the story but in the interest of keeping it brief various law enforcement agencies like the ones that i mentioned earlier they carried on their investigations a, a huge load of FIFA members were arrested, but none in, you know, direct relation to the Qatari bid or, you know, the whole system of buying and selling votes. Now, there have been arrests done under various reasons, uh, embezzlement, money laundering, you know, all of those typical financial crimes. In 2018, it was Sepp Blatter who was in charge when this whole fiasco was uh, ongoing. He himself said that Qatar had used a black ops, quote-unquote, black ops committee to essentially buy the rights to the 2022 World Cup. And it it really seems like a case where everyone knows that Qatar bought the rights to the World Cup and no one outside of FIFA knows how it was done. I mean, how is is there there not a movie on this already? I mean, this is just, you know, Hollywood stuff. 
Well, there isn't. But the Netflix show I mentioned, watch it because it goes into crazy detail about how all of it is done. I, I could I could parrot off everything that I saw in that episode right now, but like I said, we don't have the time. To boil it down, they essentially gave uh, members of different organizations, you know, like UEFA, CONCACAF, uh, the African Committee, the Asian Committee, all of the members of those committees were essentially given tens of thousands of dollars to further football development in their countries. And that is how we've ended up with Qatar as World Cup hosts for a tournament that is going to be played in the winter instead of the summer. For me, I mean, it's just a simple fact, right? You're giving the World Cup to a country that isn't even a major footballing nation. And and I mean, not even major. True. I mean, they, 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 they don't even qualify for most tournaments. And back when this was won, they didn't have the infrastructure to build or host a World Cup either. They've literally built everything from scratch. Stadiums, even even full cities, even even like your football villages of sorts, you know, like how you have at the Olympics. They've, they've literally built everything from the desert up. And it's ludicrous. You know, I, I, I partially agree with you there. You know, look, I, I personally don't have an issue with a non-footballing country hosting the tournament. And, you know, sometimes it can be good for the region, you know. Uh, like, for example, if, if India were to host the World Cup, yeah, I, I would be okay with that. We, we have average facilities, but if it, le- if it led to, you know, furthering the infrastructure in the cities that it was held, well, then that's, that's fine with me. I do agree with you that they didn't have the infrastructure for it. And that was, in fact, the other criticism that was leveled towards Qatar, that they were spending so much money on this. Now, for all of this, it all comes down to this. You know, FIFA rules for hosting such events, which is pretty much the World Cup, is designed in a way that a footballing confederation, you know, UEFA for Europe, CONCACAF for North America, all of those, it's designed in a way that either of the past two confederations cannot be involved in the bidding process for the next World Cup again, right? So so 2010 was South Africa, 2014 was Brazil. That meant that those continents, those confederations, were ineligible to host the 2018 and the 2022 World Cups. Even then, like, I'm surprised that there were no rules in place with relation to infrastructure and development like going going to a country that has zero infrastructure that's that's just absolutely ridiculous i mean to be fair to qatar they do have the money to build something in double quick time but yeah there there needs to be some i would imagine there needs to be some consideration in terms of um the existing you know architecture around football at least you know yeah and yeah. and speaking of the infrastructure you know you 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 make a really good point it's it's no secret that Qatar have gone ahead and built this mega city. I think it's called Lusale. That's just about 10 miles outside of Doha. So so the so the World Cup's not actually going to be in the capital city. It's going to be a slightly outside. And and to, you know, one could only describe it as what you would have in an in an Olympic village type scenario, right? Where where they build an entire community around a couple of stadiums that would host the matches. I I I went back and and I was reading about this. Even as late as the 2000s, all that existed in this place called Lusale was a little fishing village alongside three small farms 
and the abandoned palatial house of the actual sheikh of Qatar at that at that point you know all built on this salt flats and rocky sand in the desert literally nothing else and just to think it just amazes me that on December 22nd this year the final of the biggest sporting spectacle on earth will be played there on those on that very ground in front of 80,000 people the question is did they actually build an entire city just for one sporting tournament i mean in in essence yes and 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 you know with with the way fifa operate to to your point earlier this this isn't the first time it's happened i mean even when the world cup was held in brazil there was a stadium in a place called manaus which is basically in the middle of the amazon rainforest they built an entire stadium uh, you know in within a city that is not even accessible by road you you, you can e- even the materials used to build the stadium and i think i think that one was even worse it was like a 110,000 seater stadium or something yeah yeah it was massive yeah all of the sh- all of the materials used to build the stadium were shipped you know across the amazon by boat they built the stadium there is no footballing club in manaus to this day and that stadium just 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 lies empty. Just sits there. Exactly. Yep. So and 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 in this case, I think money is no object either. You know, uh, whatever it's been reported in the media, it's, I think it says something like two hundred and twenty nine billion is the outlay that Qatar has for this event. So so being an oil state, I don't suppose that is a major hurdle either. You know, to 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 bankroll the the shit out of this. But. What I think is a good point to focus on as we move on is the labor that's actually been used to erect this metropolis, you know, in the middle of the desert. And of course, that's that's where the whole murkiness around the corruption stuff turns into something that's all out dark and destructive, right? And the irony is that the, the same people who were building these places, you know, were were enticed with uh, offers of working in the Middle East and, you know, lied to basically by agents or job agents who, you know, promised them good jobs, good living, decent living conditions, I guess, before they signed their contracts. And then and then and then after that, they they, they literally just go there and see it's a completely different story and and it's sad because these are people just trying to make ends meet they come from places where even working in qatar under those dire conditions are are you know uh, all to all just to provide a better life for their families the workers often you know complained of like heat you know grueling work schedules really low to you know sometimes no pay waiting months to be paid you know having their passports taken away so they could not flee their employers or work sites or the country or whatever. We've seen many documentaries produced over the past year and it's all been in vain. I mean, let's let's face it, this this isn't the first time we've heard of these labor violations, these human rights violations from the Middle East. I mean, there are reports of this being rampant in the UAE, Qatar as we're talking about it right now, Saudi Arabia as well. So I'm not really sure who expected it to be different this time but yeah here we are absolutely and added to that i think most of the local qatari companies uh, usually work the way it works is they they have to hire a third party contractor and surprisingly enough most of them are from the U- europe and 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 the uk i mean the you know these dubious companies who you know in their own right trying to hit that big payday going to Qatar so they they basically hire these workers 
on on minimum wage and 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 it's and because there's there's like a chain of third party contractors working with the local um you know emirati companies yeah it's been an absolute challenge to try and for investigators to try and follow the chain and and to really nab the culprits and and the thing is to Qatar's credit they did come out after all of these documentaries and puff pieces you know including the one that Gary Neville did you know for Sky Sports we we all saw that one and he you know Qatar has initiated reform they they tried to change stuff they tried to address the problems but in my opinion i think i think they haven't enforced it properly so uh, due to obvious factors bribes cost cutting stringent deadlines for the world cup so even though they've said on the press that oh yeah we're addressing these issues uh, i don't think much has done, much has been done about it I don't know if I can find the right word for it, but you know that's just how the Qatari officials have sort of approached this. They they say they're trying to fix a problem, but they don't really acknowledge that there's a problem because uh, when one of the leading people for you know the Qatari bid was faced with this report that somewhere from three thousand to six thousand workers have died, uh, you know, during construction, he you know, very bluntly disputed that and said that over the past many years of, of, you know, construction, the number of casualties across all projects have been three. And they've also been non-work related. So if there is reform, that's fine. But like, they're still not accepting that there is a problem. No, absolutely. And and and, and we all know, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors here. Uh, nobody's as naive to not report, you know, 2700 900 and whatever deaths and only report 3 so so yeah there's 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 something missing there so gianni infantino the current uh, president of fifa and qatari officials had this speech uh, recently where they said everyone would be welcome to qatar regardless of origin caste creed gender religion nationality or wait for it sexual orientation but now the qatari world cup officials who are pretty much ambassadors of the country and the tournament itself they have been filmed arguing why being gay is haram attributing it to a damage in the mind now let's face it we we expected this to happen right now there is evidence and there's testimonies of you know forced abductions torture conviction without trials, conversion therapies, you know, all of these really sick forms of uh, manipulation to ensure that the authoritarian rules are followed. Questionable as they are, it just takes this whole narrative of the World Cup being a success even even further back. Uh, I I understand that 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 cultures and traditions are different in in various countries, but if you have to, you know, take a social construct like being of a different sexual orientation and you want to you want to impose authoritarian rules on that especially you know things like punishable with seven years in jail or for muslims you know you tried tried by sharia law you know even death it's it i i question the safety of fans going there you know and being able to freely express celebration and joy in their own way you know because it's a it's a joyous event after all right and and Qatar, obviously, for the media, has clarified, oh, fans will be kept safe, and, uh, you know, but but with the caveat that they will be safe as long as they follow the rules, our rules and norms, which is which is absolute rubbish to me, because 
you know, you, you get in there, you watch a game, you follow the rules and you go home. I mean, what sort of festival of football is that? I would like to add to that. Being a, a very, you know, stringent Islamic nation, people might not even be able to drink to celebrate. So, you know. And this. speaking of which, Budweiser is one of the key core strategic sponsors of, of FIFA. They'll find a way. They I mean, will fucking find yeah, a way. You you you'll have you'll have non-alcoholic beer floating around. Which I don't know if you've tried non-alcoholic beer. It's pretty good, pretty convincing. But I mean, let's face it, no one wants that. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know the, the, this I've seen this always happen where the whole you know once the World Cup starts the whole shiny spectacle thing just completely drowns out all of these harsh realities we've been talking about and Qatar are attempting to do the same where they're using the sports washing to literally drown out their entire disgusting human rights record like you know bribing FIFA the slave state allegations you know insensitivities against certain communities and. Like I said, normally when the first ball is kicked this time by Qatar against Ecuador in that first game, the the whole euphoria and pre-event controversies te- will tend to fizzle out. I'm I'm pretty sure of that. You know, it'll it'll just drown out completely when when the fun starts, and then the the whole damn shit will repeat repeat four years on just before the next World Cup, where 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 where, where FIFA decide to host it in some godforsaken country. That doesn't deserve oh, it. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. The twenty twenty six World Cup is happening in North America. All exactly right? my point. Canada, US, exactly my Mexico. Point. I mean, come on, the US men's national team? Who doesn't want to see oh, that? Oh yeah. It's the only way they can guarantee qualification. But anyway, we digress. Right? So what was I talking about? Success. So all of this stuff is essentially making that hill of success even steeper for Qatar. I mean, you you pointed out something really important which is timing right timing of the world cup and that's that's something i wanted to briefly talk about you know the original now tainted bid for the summer world cup was switched to the winter i mean seb blatter himself came out you know a couple of weeks ago admitting to a a clear and obvious mistake in awarding qatar the winning bid not not just awarding it to them but also obviously awarding it to a nation in the summer, which which would have been an absolute nightmare for a country in the Middle East uh, and the temperatures they have there. But, you know, uh, of course, Sepp Blatter would say that now. I mean, he considering he has nothing to fucking lose, he's, he's literally been ejected out of FIFA. The sad part about the whole Sepp Blatter having nothing to lose, I mean, that's true. He's, he's been banned from footballing activities for a long time. The thing is, he was responsible for a lot of the corruption that spread throughout FIFA, but he he was not involved in the process of Qatar winning the bid. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to, you know, the, the documentary series on Netflix, but... You're just going to market the hell out of it, aren't we you? We need to reach out to people from Netflix and tell them how much we've spoken about this and we need to get some sponsorship. Absolutely. Wow, Netflix, well, that, that would be amazing. I mean, if we If we jumped from this level of podcasting to netflix straight wow that that would be monumental but anyway you know to to bring you crashing back down to reality uh as i was saying seb blatter was kind of against the qatar bid even even back then he he knew even back then that you know qatar was not the right place it's just it's just that everything that happened behind the scenes was completely 
out of his control and you know there was nothing that he could do but anyway here we are a first ever winter world cup and i don't know i just feel like you know they haven't they they hadn't rather thought about this at all i think qatar just won the bid and then a few years later people were like oh wait it gets really hot here during the summer doesn't it maybe we need to do it some other time and well here we are november 2022 looking at uh, the world cup the and and the damage that a winter world cup brings not just to the leagues in europe but but it's it's almost a global phenomenon right i mean we we know about european leagues because we follow we follow the premier league we follow other other leagues in in europe but it's it's going to be an absolute shamble you know chaotic shambles essentially because i have no idea what the footballing scene is in places like south america for example but in europe especially england it's the world cup is basically going to start is is basically starting in the middle of the season and and players usually if it was a summer world cup get a few weeks to go away you know they get they get some vacation the managers of the of the national teams get some time to kind of you know work with their players get them into good fitness before the first game here you basically have a scenario where teams are essentially playing their last league game or cup game and within 48 hours are getting jetted off to doha which is incredibly disconcerting for whatever team you want to follow i don't i don't care if you're a brazil that is that is packed with superstars they're going to be suffering from massive fatigue even before the first ball is kicked and and you know people missing out on opening games you know depending on 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 uh, on on how tired they are from the league and conversely missing out on the the resumption of their leagues when they go back you know especially if their teams go far in the tournament it's it's a it's yeah i i don't know how much of a price that is to pay you know either side of the world cup i mean it's like it's like uh, guardiola said in a press conference recently i think over the weekend he was asked you know uh, how are you going to approach the game between uh, manchester city and liverpool i think it's the uh, the league cup game it's it's happening like literally a couple of days after the world cup ends i think the world cup ends on the 22nd of december and this game is on like the 23rd 24th or 25th like one of those days and all Guardiola could say was Klopp is going to have to play left back and I'm going to play holding midfielder because how else are we supposed to play this you know he's like I don't know what players I'm going to have Liverpool don't know what players they're going to have yeah I guess it's time for us to step up which I mean I can understand his frustration because it's going to affect every single thing and everyone but there is one thing that I just thought about right now there is one thing that is guaranteed that is that Erling Haaland is inevitable. Come on, don't don't compare him to Thanos from from the Avengers. I mean, he is not inevitable, but 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 yes, I I will give you that. He's not he's not headed to the World Cup, is he? No. Oh, not really qualified. I mean, you you <laughs> he's scoring hat-tricks already like it's nobody's business. You don't want to give him even more rest. Maybe maybe I mean the silver lining we can hope for here is that he loses match fitness. That that is no, basically so what everyone's hoping for. I'm 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 glad you brought up the point of his uh, match fitness because coincidentally there is this news that has come out today which i mean it's it's a pretty good uh you know listen honestly i know what you're talking about i don't even i don't even know if it's a parody it might actually be true i don't know, know. i mean okay so we're talking about the bid from i think uh acton acton ashton, city ashton ashton, ashton. oh god 
So yeah, we're talking about the whatever non-league from, club, <laughs> non-league. Yeah, we're talking about the bid from Ashton, where they've pretty much gone to Manchester City and told them, Erling Haaland's not doing anything in uh, November and December. Can we have him on a one-month loan? Because it'd be better if he plays for us rather than you know plays golf for a month. And I mean, unsurprisingly, Manchester City turned down that bid. But how good would it have been to see Erling Haaland playing non-league football? I mean, it's it's genius, right? I don't I don't care if some stupid media outlet like Sports Bible came out with the story. It it it, it might be a parody. It may you know it might not be, but that is just absolute genius. I mean, imagine like you said, Holland playing in non leagues, banging in like fifteen goals a game. That that would just be amazing. Yeah, and, and S- send out send out Mo Salah while you're at it as well. You know, we'd we'd get like a good comparison of how good those two players are. You know, you know what we should do. We should basically ask the league to organize like this testimonial where you play six aside with an all. Oh, you know what? Oh even better, I, even I better. I can't believe I can't believe the Chelsea supporter is now promoting an all-star game. Yes, yes, that's, I am. That's pretty much what. Yes, I am. I literally, you know, my, my my train of thought just just kept going, and I and I realized, oh my god, this is the best time to have an all-star game. You have, have the all-star you, game coincide with the World Cup final, and we'll see which was the bigger sporting event. Hey, hey, let, hey! I don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. We we have enough stars to have a a decent all-star game you know coinciding with the world cup especially especially with the number of injuries to players going into the world cup i don't even think you're gonna you know that the teams we least expect will probably make the final so it's not gonna be like this you know high profile on demand pay-per-view yeah. event yeah but i mean look you you make a really good point we don't know what the picture is going to look like before the world cup we don't know what the picture is going to look like after the world cup right but for me, let's let's take a step back. We've we've talked about Qatar. We've talked about you know why we're obviously personally against the way this has panned out. But hey, here we are. You know the World Cup's happening, right? All of the stuff with FIFA is out of the way now, or we have to at least put it out of the way because football now comes first. So, which brings me to the obvious discussion you know, atrocious European schedule. I mean, the, the the entire European schedule has been congested, especially for the World Cup. And all of the players have been basically treated like commodities here. You know, jetted off to the World Cup 48 hours after their league games, essentially playing every four days. We've, we've I think we've played the Champions League group games in what, like four weeks instead of the usual eight. So yeah. so they've, they've been heavily taxed leading up to November, right? Um so that obviously has meant that there are several absentees from this World Cup. I mean, a lot of players. Obviously, sure. There, there's your there's there's your usual bunch that got eliminated in the qualifying. You know, notable exceptions being uh, Mares. You know, because Algeria didn't qualify. Holland, as you said, you know, because because Norway's out of the World Cup, and 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 Zlatan, who who who, for me, it would have probably been his last World Cup. You know, uh, maybe he can play at forty-four. Who knows? But then, you know, I I would think this would have been his last World Cup. But also, sadly also not. Salah from Egypt. Yeah, absolutely. Egypt didn't qualify either. Yeah. Yeah, Salah fully fit, and and uh, Egypt Egypt aren't there. But the more concerning fact, I think, is the number of injuries. I mean, the 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 superstars that are missing because of injury is just crazy. You mentioned you mentioned Mo Salah, right? And Egypt not qualifying. Yeah. It's so ironic that. Egypt didn't qualify at the expense of Senegal, and now Sadio yep. Mane 
yep. is injured himself. The man who single-handedly took Senegal to the World Cup, essentially, is now not playing. But I, I read something about that. I don't think his injury is that serious that it will rule him out of the World Cup. I think he might miss like a couple of the initial group games at most. But I don't think he's been completely ruled out of uh, World Cup contention just yet, unless something has happened today that I've missed. Well, I hope not, because that's... Uh, I mean, him being out is really going to damage uh, Senegal's chances of even qualifying from yeah, the group, that's I true. would think. I mean, they have good players, but, you know, Sadio Mane is Sadio Mane. But no, I... You know... Y- there are injuries to key players for a lot of these teams. I mean, when you look at someone like France, the midfield combination that won them the World Cup, Paul Pogba and N'Golo Kante, both are injured. Yeah. They're, they're not part of the fr- uh, French squad, at least. I don't think they'll be a part of the French squad for like the initial games, at least, which, you know, the group games are difficult. So they're gone. When you, when you look at the likes of England, they've lost... Reese James, Ben Chilwell. Yeah, I mean, injuries all over the place. Uh, I don't know about what Pogba's situation is because he's hardly played since he moved to Juventus from United. But yeah, Kante was a spine of that whole World Cup yeah. winning, you know, champions run. And, and and you can see the situation with Chelsea. You, you remove Kante out of the side and look how badly we're struggling every single week. Um, so I, I would assume that France would follow a similar trajectory. I mean, I'm, I'd be happy to, you know, be proved wrong, which I probably will be because everything we predict on this show just goes to shit, but, uh, maybe France will win the World Cup. Who knows? You know, now that we've said they'll do, they'll do terribly, uh, without these two, but yeah. So you're, you're telling me, you're telling me the four four three formation isn't working at Chelsea? Uh no I I thought it was the three four seven two eight one I I oh, don't right. know I don't know Potter yeah it changes every week it changes every week let's not make this another Potter episode um but you know coming back to the topic I think um an important World Cup for you know arguably the greatest players ever uh Messi and Ronaldo I mean I expect this to be their last dance. Right, uh, especially considering that they're. I mean, in- we don't know that for sure. Who knows? Ronaldo might be around for the next one, and he might have this uh, this interview with what's his face, Piers Morgan. Oh yeah, Piers yeah. Morgan. Yeah, where he pretty much He's- talks about how the Portuguese national team has disrespected him by not playing him at the age of. 42 or however old he's going to be at that time yeah I, I i totally expect that i mean that that whole piers morgan propaganda machine will will keep churning um but they both both their powers i think at league level or at club level have dwindled i mean Messi's doing decently well this season for psg but he's not the Messi of old so yeah but to be fair I, Messi is playing with the likes of mbappe and neymar ronaldo is playing with the likes of <laughs> rashford and martial yeah, maybe Sancho if you really want to include him in the conversation because I mean he wasn't even included in the England squad. So and Garnacho, I mean Garnacho. that eighteen-year-old oh, yeah. guy, it's, yeah. it's yeah, it's crazy. Already in contention to be player of the season if uh, certain Manchester United fans on Twitter are to be believed. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Okay, so right now we've got these groups in front of us: Group A to Group H. First, you know, first of all, let me begin by asking you which which team are you really backing this time? I mean, I, I, my heart says England, but my head. Of course, the Brit course, would say England, but all right. I mean, it's coming home after all. But my head. No, I no. was going to say heart. No, I did say heart says England. My head says Brazil. Ah, interesting. Okay. Well, for me, 
I'm backing Argentina. Really? And that much yeah, faith yeah. in Messi? I, look, it's not about faith in Messi. I mean, honestly, I I used to be a massive fan of Spain. You know, up until like I think the 2018 World Cup was like the first World Cup that I didn't really care about the World Cup. So, you know, like I can I can say right now that I don't really support any national team. I honestly couldn't care any less. There is only one reason that I'm backing Argentina. And that is because I have hopes of an Argentina-Portugal final. Oh, the world will explode. Oh, my God. It will. And I want Messi to win that just so once and for all we can end the debate of Messi versus Ronaldo and who's the greatest of all time. And that's the only reason I'm backing Argentina. That's it. Well, f- fair enough. I mean, yeah, if you want to see an all-out world war, you know, initiate the, a day after the final, sure. Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's all that's all we need, right? But anyway, getting back to the groups, you said England and Brazil, right? The English group, Group B, is pretty interesting because you've got England, Iran, the USA, and Wales. What do you think England's chances are? Where do you think they'd uh, end the group? I think they'll make it out on top. Um, Yeah, I think Iran and the USA. It's it's. I know England have played the USA a couple of times in World Cups, and they've and they've surprisingly done badly against them. Right, even even though they were firm favorites. Wales probably could pose a problem. I think Wales play really well at big tournaments, even though they're not really a big game team. Um, but the whole Gareth Bale factor, and now they've got you know they've got they've got other players now um, in the team. I think I think Ramsey's still 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 going to be playing, right? He's going to be one of the senior senior players for Wales. So yeah, are you forgetting about Joe Allen, the Welsh the Welsh wizard Iniesta, or was it Xavi? I don't remember which one. No, it was Joe Allen. I think it was Joe Allen, the Welsh yeah. wizard from Liverpool, former Liverpool. Right, but was he called was he called the Welsh? Chavi, or was he called the Welsh Iniesta? I fucking have no clue. I mean, okay, he was yeah, the Welsh, the Welsh, Welsh something. something. But, okay. but uh, Wales potentially could create an upset, but I still see England beating Iran and the USA, and hopefully they can get a good enough goal difference to top the group, if it does come to that. Now, if you look at the England squad, they've got some notable absentees, right? They've got... We spoke about uh, Reese James being out. We spoke about Ben Chilwell being out. There's also, I think, Jaden Sancho, who surprisingly was never even in the conversation for England. I guess that's really an indication of how his career at Manchester United is going right now. Do you think that England have what it takes to go deep into the World Cup? I mean, if you if you ask me, I'm probably going to give you the same answer, right? England will probably reach the final, and and I would like them to win it. I mean, in, an England Brazil final would be fucking out of this world right yeah i mean just just as much as you want the argentina portugal thing i would like what is i i feel is more realistic which is an england brazil final considering the number of injuries and and that i i think both these teams have the least number of injuries in terms of going into the world cup now now the now quality wise you mentioned absentees right they they, they have a clear number of absentees down the right obviously reese james he he i mean i don't care which team you support he would have probably been first choice based on form. It's probably going to be Kieran Trippier. I mean, it, it would be Kieran Trippier for me now, again, based on form and how he how he's playing down the right for Newcastle. But he's a bit. But Reece James is a big big absentee. 
I think um, in terms of strikers... Yeah, I was just going to say that. Uh, yeah. I think Gareth Southgate has missed a trick with Ivan Tony. Yeah. I, I don't think the roster of strikers, other than Harry Kane, who's probably an automatic choice, and Raheem Sterling to an extent, I don't think anyone else is an automatic pick. And people like Callum Wilson, fine. They've been they've been good. But I think Tony has just been another level since last season. And just the fact that, you know, the day after the squad was picked, he banged in two goals against Manchester City to win the game at the Etihad just, just shows that that might prove to be a massive blunder. Yeah, no, I was I was very surprised. I really thought he would make the England squad. And I was a bit disappointed that he didn't, but... I mean, then again, it is Gareth Southgate. What do you do? So Ivan Tony did the whole, you know, uh, sh- shutting his ears celebration. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I don't want to, I want to drown out the noise kind of thing after he scored that second goal. And Reese James basically posted on Twitter saying to that, to that image saying, if I speak, I will be in big trouble. You know, basically yeah. Yeah, imitating no, 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 Mourinho. Um, which, 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 you know, he, he, know, he knows what we're thinking. He, you know, Tony should have been on that flight to, to Qatar. You're, the other team you picked, Brazil. Now, this is a team that is a glutton for talent. I mean, they've got superstars pretty much all over the place. Are you really confident that England's defense will be, hold, will be able to hold up to Brazil's attack if it did come down to an England-Brazil final? I, I don't know. I mean, I think my head says Brazil, so I would, you know, it, logic would dictate that Brazil will win the World Cup. I mean, the, 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 the depth, the skill, the talent, whatever you want to call it, it, it is insane. I mean, forget Neymar. You know, I know you can't forget him. He's, he's literally the, the Ronaldo of Brazil, right? But even if you forget him, it is just crazy how star-studded that squad is. I mean, I, I was just thinking about this. I mean, imagine imagine if, if England won the World Cup. It would be bonkers because players like, I don't know, Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Declan Rice, they, Jude Bellingham. I mean, he's he's 18. He would be like, the, all of these guys are so young. That, you know, most of them haven't won the Champions League, but they'd be they'd be winning a World Cup. That That would just be insane. I mean, Jude Bellingham, he'd be the second teenager to ever win a World Cup after... Do you know who the other teenager is to actually... Well, there are two, actually, who've won the World Cup. No, who were the other two? Guess. Well, one was pretty recent. Wait, who, who was the young player of the year from the last World Cup? I told you, the 2018 World Cup, I just did not bother with that one. Who was it, Mbappe? It was Mbappe. It was Mbappe. So okay. Mbappe, yeah, second teenager to score in the final and to win the World Cup, and obviously Pele being the first one. So it it, it it's going to be crazy, but... The the reason I you know they they have an edge over England in my supposed England Brazil final is because it is just insane how many players can actually form a starting eleven team in any major club in the world. Just 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 take the goalkeepers for starters. You've got Allison and Ederson in the same freaking team. I mean, I I didn't even realize this till I till I actually you know till the squad was announced and I went, hang on, they're both Brazilian. I mean, who would you start? First Allison. of all, Allison. Allison. He's, he's uh, oh come on! Keeper. It's 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 not an automatic choice with the Brazilian of team. Because he's he's no, been not. number one for Brazil for a while now. Yeah, being number one is not the same as and, uh, you no, know. I mean, Edison's being always good. been number two for Brazil. Well, that's this that's just unfortunate for me. That's 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 just really. Uh, no, but but the thing is, you know, my my 
the funny thing is, think about the third guy. You know, what's his name? Weverton? There's a there's there's a goalkeeper called Weverton, who's basically the third goalkeeper from Palmeiras in Brazil. That guy is basically just getting a free trip to Qatar because he ain't yeah, gonna I mean, play a single 34. game. Yeah, exactly. I mean he's thirty-four years of age and come on. Honestly, if, if if he doesn't appear during the World Cup, I really think he should go on to Piers Morgan and talk about how the Brazil national team fucked him, uh, disrespected over. him, yeah, Absolutely. betrayed him rather, yeah. Absolutely. And then and then you got you know the the defensive line is just you know wow I can't, I mean Marquinhos, Eder Militao, Thiago Silva playing at thirty eight you know playing like a boss at thirty eight, and. Basically, the list goes on, right? You've got Fabinho, Casemiro playing in the Premier League. You've got Gabriel Martinelli on top, on fire for Arsenal. Um, so is Gabriel Jesus, Richarlison, Rafinha. The list goes on. Anthony, Vinicius Junior. Fuck. And I've not even got to Neymar yet. I cannot for the life of me figure out why Richarlison is a part of the squad and Firmino is not. It just doesn't make sense. Maybe it's just the kind of player right i mean the 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 kind of the profile of player that the coach wants for for this team and maybe the formation that they play is not you know it's not really similar for a deep lying striker i guess you know kind of a build up play striker like Firmino. okay so so here's the thing for you it goes down to an england brazil world cup and you think brazil will win who do you think are the other two teams who'll make the top four? Who do you think are going to, you know, be there in the semis? So, hang on. Before I answer that, you're sticking with Argentina-Portugal, right? That's your final. With Argentina winning, yes. With Argentina sure. winning. Okay, yes. so you're going Argentina champions. I'm going Brazil champions. Yes. F- top four, right. Semi-finals. So, I'm going to say, wow, that's this is going to be a really tough one. I'm going to say... England, Spain, one semi-final, and Brazil, Germany, the other. Ooh, interesting. Okay, okay, okay. So I've got Argentina, Portugal, obviously. Uh, and I think the other two... Well, well, they can't play each other, right? Well, I'm no, not then, saying then you... they'll play each other. I'm just listing like the four teams that I think will be there in the semis. I think I, I also think it'll be Germany, so like I'm with you on that. But I can't tell you what the fourth team is going to be because I think it will be one of the African nations and I don't know if it'll be either. Really? I, th- I think so, yes. Well, as, I think, as good as I they really are. Think, I really know. think Senegal can make progress in this World Cup. Whether they have what it takes to reach the semifinals, I don't know, but I think it could very well be an African nation. Yeah, could be. I don't think France will do well. I don't think Spain will do well. I don't think Belgium will do well. Germany, I I expect them to, yes. I don't think England will reach the semifinals. I think they will. If if I really had to put my money down, I'd say England would be out in the quarterfinals. Interesting. On a penalty shootout to Germany? (laughs) Possibly, yeah. Why not? As like it's always been. (laughs) Why not? Yeah. So we've, we've, uh, we've listed out our potential champions, right? One final question for you. Who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot? And who do you think is going to be young player of the tournament? Ah, interesting. Interesting. So does the Golden Boot have to be from one of the teams that have reached the finals? Isn't that how it's always been? It would make sense, but not necessarily. I I remember this one time when Miroslav Klose 
won it from Germany, but Germany never reached the final oh, for years. I mean, they they always used to get eliminated in the semis. So so yeah, I mean, if you're prolific enough, you could win it, even if your team doesn't win it. Well, if I really wanted to lose people's respect, I'd say Harry Maguire for gold, Golden Boot, but uh, but no, I think I think Golden Boot will be. I'm just gonna go Messi. I'm going all out on Messi for this tournament. Wow, you're just sticking I, sticking to that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I just want want him to win so we can put an end to the greatest of all time discussion once and for all. For me, I think Golden Boot at least it would have to be in in spectacular fashion, like I always do. It would be a tie because I can't I, I can't separate the two. It's gonna be either Harry Kane or Gabriel Jesus for me. Okay, you have to pick one. Oh, Harry Payne. Harry Payne. Why am I saying Harry Payne? Harry Kane being more of a focal point for England. I think it would be Kane would just pip Jesus because you've got you've got too many goal scorers in that front line for Brazil. You've got Anthony. You've got Jesus. You've got Neymar. So I they probably spread the goals between them. So I would say Harry Kane. And 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 the crazy thing. I mean, the reason I you know this is kind of a proud thing to say is because he you know if he were to win the golden boot he will most likely be england's highest ever goal scorer because he's too behind wayne rooney at the moment interesting interesting and he's i mean even if he didn't win the golden boot he's very likely to beat that record during the world cup which would be amazing i don't think and and he'll he's he's he has a good supporter backing the hotspur legend interesting hey it's all it's it's all england now we come together right we come together it's come on when it's a question about coming home we all come together when it's a question so, about yeah. coming home and a question about standing out in the streets throwing beer in the air. Yep. That's, that's when you need the English. That's, yeah. that's exactly what's going to happen. But yeah, ha- Harry Kane, I think, is going to have a good 70 goals by the time he finishes his career. So that that record's going to be near impossible to beat. But yeah, long story short, Harry Kane for Golden Boot. Okay. Who, who do you think is going to be the young player of the tournament? Young player. Ah, I've got a think about this because one. you know i i honestly would have said jude belgium england but mm, i'm actually choice. gonna go with jamal musiala not a bad choice not I've, a bad choice I've, I've seen him play very briefly i've i've liked what i've seen i think he if he does play and does play well i think he could be young player of the tournament yeah fair enough i i won't disagree with that i think musiala is a great shout but in my scenario if england make the final i think jude bellingham of would course. be a great choice. Aw, you stayed till the end, you epic legend. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Pitch Life Podcast. Let us know what you thought by following us on Instagram or just tweet us at Pitch Life Pod on Twitter. You'll find our link in the bio. Give us a listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify or your favourite streaming platform. Your support helps us grow into this global community we want to build, with ranters like us pouring our hearts out about this game we live to love. Until next time.